He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening live to the transparent truth. The world's number one high school football podcast running. I'm with my man, GB, and it's your boy, Coach Keith. CBS Studios in the Miracle Mile. Greg Biggins, the GOAT, the 20-year vet. How you doing? I'm doing good, Keith. How are you doing? It's been a bit of a long morning. Miracle Mile. The Miracle Mile. Yeah, it has been a long morning, huh? <laughs> That's okay. Long weekend. It has. It has. We're working hard trying to bring you guys the latest and greatest in high school football. We're going to get this thing moving with some recruiting news. We got our sleeper of the week from NorCal. We got our interview with our guy, Brandon Huffman, from Scout 24-7. We got game recaps of the first round of the playoffs. We got a short man listen segment. Then we're going to bring this baby to a close. But without further ado, the Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. GB the GOAT. Hit us with recruiting. Yeah, not a whole lot, which is good, right? Sometimes it's good to go heavy recruiting this week. Let's go. We want to go heavy in the games, but we did have a... No new commitments to my knowledge, but we had a, a couple pretty big time named D commitments. We had Long Beach Poly wide receiver tight end Cam McDonald, a longtime USC commitment, decided to open things up. Cam has taken official trips already to Nebraska and Texas AM. He's looking at a few other schools. Uh, mentioned Oregon not too long ago as a school he'd love to visit. But I think he told me he just didn't feel like he fit in in that USC offense that well. Wasn't sure what his fit would be. And they also kind of mentioned at one point they have a, a pretty credit depth chart of tight ends. So we'll see. I think now that he's decommitted, we'll see about, you know, more schools usually will probably kind of come in. A lot of times it's, people don't think it's worth recruiting a kid who's already locked in, especially to a school like USC. But I think we could see Cam's commitment, uh, excuse me, his recruitment kind of picking up a little bit. And then uh, Jared Bale, Norco, offensive lineman, uh, committed to Alabama over the summer. And he decided to open up the process back up. Uh, we've kind of, kind of seen his recruitment pick up over the course of the season with new offers coming in. Uh, he visited officially Arizona, also took an unofficial visit to Tucson. So he's been at U of A twice. He has a official trip to UCLA set for December 1st. He's setting a trip to Texas. And he mentioned a few other schools as well. Mentioned LSU is starting to call, uh, call him a little bit. Georgia's in contact there. I think a few other schools closer to home are also kind of monitoring that situation. So Jared Bell back on the open market. Uh, some big official visits over the weekend. Chris Olave from Mission Hills trip to the Ohio State University. Loved it. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them the leader, but I think they are in a good spot. He has trips that he is going to, going to also take to Michigan, Utah, and USC. All three of those schools uh, have offered scholarships. Uh, Michigan will probably be his next trip. USC offered like two weeks ago. And then Utah, the connection there is his quarterback, Jack Tuttle, is a Ute commit. Uh, Palmdale running back Richard Newton took a visit to Utah. Uh, it's basically been a two-team race for Newton this whole entire year. It's Washington and it's Utah. So Newton took that visit to Utah. I would not be shocked if he has a decision coming pretty soon. Malik McLean, uh, one of the elite defensive ends out west. In fact, I think you called him maybe the most impressive guy you've seen off that edge this year. Malik took a visit to the University of Oklahoma. He's a longtime UCLA commit, but will take trips, and he took one to Oklahoma over the weekend. And then uh, another committed player, 
Brevin Jordan took a visit to the school that he actually is committed to, the University of Miami. He saw the Hurricanes kind of put a, a smackdown on Notre Dame over the week. I'd say the Canes are for real. They are. Right the U now, is yeah. back. The U is back. Uh, some unofficial trips, underclassmen. Uh, we had a whole mess of Servite players taking a visit to Colorado. Spencer Lytle, Titus Toller, KJ Trujillo, and Trent McDuffie all visited Boulder, Colorado this past weekend to go watch U- uh, watch Colorado host USC. Uh, Trent McDuffie actually was offered on that trip uh, by the Buffs. So, a nice job for Trent. And uh, I think all those guys kind of wanted to go see uh, Tyler Lytle, who's Spencer's older brother. Kind of a, uh, an older brother to all those kids. Bryce Young, Stephon Wright from Cathedral, both visited Oklahoma. I uh, talked to Bryce, and I tell you what, man, he was gushing about the Sooners and that fit in that offense. And one thing about Bryce is he wants scheme fit, and he wants a place that doesn't care if you're a six-feet quarterback. And looking at Oklahoma, looking at their depth chart, looking at who's having success now with Baker May- Mayfield, who's probably a six-feet quarterback. In fact, Bryce is actually taller than Baker May- Mayfield. They have Kyle Murray, who's a six-feet quarterback, kind of waiting in the wings next year. Bryce, just a 2020 kid, but he wants to commit this summer. He wants to do kind of what JT did last year, was commit before his junior year. Most quarterbacks wait till the summer before their senior year, but Bryce wants to get it done early. He's also visited Washington, loved it there. Uh, USC is heavily involved. He will visit Oregon for the Civil War game, which I think is in two weeks, and Texas and Texas Tech are also involved. That's kind of Bryce's short list. Got some new offers, Coach Keith. How about P3? P3. How about Paul Edwards? Yeah. St. John Bosco, 19 corner, getting offered by UCLA. How about Casimir Allen? Has to be my choice for state player of the year. That's obviously done by my boys at Cal High Sports, but Casimir Allen is putting up record-breaking numbers. He was offered by Wisconsin. He's going to take an official visit to Wisconsin this weekend. I believe game day is going to be there for that game. They're hosting Michigan. That's right. I think Wisconsin, they they undefeated right now. That's crazy. Yeah. Right? So they know a little bit about running the football. Nebraska offered UCLA wide receiver commit Kyle Phillips. How about this name? Chad Johnson, the son of the former Cincinnati Bengal, Oregon State great Chad Johnson, also known for a time as Ocho Cinco. Chad Johnson, I mentioned just a sophomore, offered by uh, FAU, which is uh, Lane Kiffin over there. Uh, and also offered by Oregon State just today, where his pops played. And then out of the 2021 class, Ma'a Gautiote, younger brother of Palaie, offered by USC. Smart offer, right? 2021, just a freshman, but he's going to be a beast already as that linebacker. And then uh, Kahuku going to Hawaii. Kahuku, 2021 quarterback, Soljay Maeva, offered by the Oregon Ducks. Obviously, the connection in Hawaii, not at Kahuku, but Marcus Mariota had some success at Oregon being a quarterback from Hawaii. So I think Oregon was a little bit late in offering Tua Tagovailoa. If they would have offered earlier, I think they would have gotten him. They're not making that same mistake twice. They're offering Soljay really early in the process. Like I can mention he's just a young pup in that 2021 class. And that is it this week, Coach Keith, for recruiting notes. Big time stuff. Five-star stuff by my man Greg Biggins. Thanks, man. You know, people don't understand, GB. I was up last night at 1 o'clock in the morning still jotting down notes for the show and stats and information. I know the effort it takes. I know the energy that must be inserted. We appreciate you. I appreciate you just in case the people don't. Hey, all man, right? That's all I need. Greg Biggins, all I need. the GOAT of this whole recruiting thing, man. Please show him some love. We're going to move along. It's time.
time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. I got a sleeper. I'd love to hear your sleeper. I got a sleeper out of NorCal. I like NorCal. I do, too. We got a guy, Dixon High School offensive lineman. Dixon High School. It's the Ball Brothers. Remember them? That's right. The Ball Brothers. Absolutely. Defensive end, the Ball Brothers. So out of Dixon High School up in NorCal, my man Nathan Peterson. Nathan Peterson. 2019, 6 foot 5, 285 pound, right tackle, projects to be an offensive guard at the next level. He's got quick feet, good flexibility. He's aggressive and likes to finish guys to the ground. Gonna have a big time offseason at camps, combines, and such. I think you better be on the lookout for Nathan Peterson, the six foot five, two hundred eighty five pound offensive lineman out of Dixon High School. So congratulations, Nathan. You are our sit and sleep transparent truth sleeper of the week. Congrats, big man. I like that. Moving right along, we want to get to a little bit of our top performers, GB. I got a nice little list. Okay. Not too much, but not too small. That's how I like to <laughs> just roll. Just right in the middle. This is just right in the middle. So we're going to start it off. Can we go back to Tulare Union? Can we go back to my guy, Casimir Allen? Repeat performer. Should have been on every week. This year wasn't, but he's been on probably the last four or five weeks, GB. 435 yards and eight touchdowns in a playoff game. That's versus a pretty good team. It's not even like, it's got, is, is it even fun for you anymore, Casimir Allen? Is it even fun? I'm sure it is, but hey, it'd be hey, like me playing against my eight, my 10-year-old daughter. Casimir is acting a donkey out here. I see you, boy, handling your business. Let's take it to Marietta Valley really fast, uh, Greg. I'm going to pass it to you. Hank Bachmeyer, the junior quarterback, on time. fire. Yeah. Made huge plays down the stretch with his legs that I was impressed with. 455 yards passing, four touchdowns, and also three touchdowns rushing. That's 455 and seven total touchdowns for Bachmeyer. And then the GOAT, Marquis Spiker, 12 catches, 284, four touchdowns, and 14 tackles. Or did he say 18 tackles? I think, uh, I think Coach just to Stone tease it, just to a, tease it, just we have Coach it. Duffy coming on the Friday show. Yeah, sure. Talk about a guy who's coached some DeMario Stringfellow, yeah. Thomas Heron, Mark Bradford. Tyron Smith. How about a guy named Tyron Smith yeah. called Spike the best player he's ever had? Wow, That's Spike. Something. Yeah, he said 18 tackles. 18 tackles on defense and an interception, four touchdowns on offense, 284 yards and 12 catches. Spike, you need to spike the hell out of the ball next time you get to the end zone. How about that? <laughs> I'll tell you what, he also broke the California State record for touchdown and receptions. Now he has 70. He that, yeah. tied it the week before with, right. with Urban Johnson, but those four touchdowns, now he's kind of shattered it, and he's got another game to go against Centennial this weekend. 
Friday show, we'll talk about that game. But how do you think? How many touchdowns do you think Spike will get against Centennial? He can get one, two. Oh, he's gonna get multiple. He gonna get a couple. Yeah, he'll get a couple. How about Norco High School? Travis Die. Oh, how has he been on fire or what? On fire. How about thirty-three carries for three eighty-one and six touchdowns? That was considered an upset over Los Alamitos. Los Al won the Sunset League. Norco uh, was the a two seed out of that league. So I don't know if that was an upset, Greg. We both I, picked I don't Norco. Think, yeah, right. I would have picked Norco. But I'm saying in terms of who had the home game. Yeah, Lo yeah, Sal sure, was sure. That's a tough opener for Low Sal having a you know you win the Sunset League, which is a pretty tough league. But anyway, Travis Dye just went off and a losing effort. Got to show him some love. Low Sal quarterback Grant Caraway, 36 of 52 for 402 yards. And three touchdowns. So, what a contrast there, right? You got Low South throwing it 52 times, and Norco with Travis Dye running it 33 times. That was just with Travis. So, Norco and Low South, some of those kids representing. Playoff football, Greg. You got to be able to run the football and stop the run, my man. Norco with the victory there. Let's go back to that Santa Margarita, Mr. 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 Marietta Valley game. Santa Margarita, Marietta Valley. And Chad Magyar, the running back. It lit it up again. 23 carries, 202, three touchdowns. We're going to take it to Long Beach Poly. Got a couple guys here. Defensive back Malachi Tolliver all over the place. Offense, defense, and special teams. He had two long kick returns, not for touchdowns, but he busted. He had a touchdown reception, and he knocked out a couple of uh, J. Sarah wide receivers. Long Beach Poly athlete Ashari Croswell, the L.A. Hawkins transfer, three rushing touchdowns, a punt return, and an interception, and a kid who I really, really like, who's been intriguing to me for a very, very long time. Long Beach Poly defensive back Tyreek LaBeouf, two interceptions, and he played very, very good defensive on the corner, on the edge, strapping up receivers. Dude, how about that? I had to. I literally Googled this kid in this article five different times to make sure it was accurate. How about Hart High School defensive end? C.J. McMullen, did you hear about this kid? No, I didn't. Seven sacks. Wow. Seven sacks. They upset Sierra Canyon. Hart High School, led by J.T. Shrout. Sure. But this kid, C.J. McMullen, had seven sacks. He's got 24 on the year. Who were they playing, the Cowboys? Sierra Canyon. Oh. Sierra Canyon's a good football team. Yeah. This kid had 24 sacks. He broke the record of, how about an old school name for you, played at UCLA, George Psycho Case. Remember oh, that kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Psycho. Psycho played with Jameer Miller. Absolutely. So hats off to C.J. McMullen. Literally seven sacks. Seven I literally, sacks. I Googled the different article. I wanted to see if this was, wasn't a misprint, if sure. it wasn't a season total, but doing it one game. So, dude, nice work, C.J. McMullen. How about let's go to a little, little offense football. How about Cajon High School? Jaden Daniels, one of our guys, 16 to 22. For 267 and four touchdowns. I'm going to go one more junior quarterback. How about David Baldwin from Upland High School? They rolled. David was a very efficient 18 of 23 for 251 and two more touchdowns. Nice job for David Baldwin. Former player of mine, wide receiver Tyrese Gibson out of Paramount. Three catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns to get a victory in Paramount's first playoff game. Let's go to Orange Lutheran. Ryan Halinski, the junior quarterback, 339 and three touchdowns, led his team to a, probably the biggest upset oh, victory yeah. of the weekend. Of the weekend in so. the country. I think so. Great win by the Orange Lutheran Lancers. On the flip side of that, you got wide receiver Michael Wilson for Chaminade, eight catches, 171, two touchdowns. Linebacker Blake Anzalados, 17 total tackles, and a big hit on the sideline versus the junior quarterback. Nice job 
from those guys. GB? How about a, a game that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about when we do game previews, but Corona Del Mar beat Roosevelt. I, I said I thought Roosevelt, if they got by, this game could actually do some damage. But Corona Del Mar, Nathan, uh, excuse me, I call him Nathan, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Espinosa, excuse me, just had a huge game. 183 yards passing and three touchdowns. Also rushed for 224 yards and three touchdowns. Do the math at home. That's 183 plus 224. That's a lot of yards. It's about 415, something like that. Six touchdowns total. And again, had a Hail Mary pass. Sidium had to be covered onside kick. Hail Mary pass. Tay Lee with a one-headed grab. And this is all over Twitter. People are calling it a controversial catch. Was he inbounds? Was he not inbounds? It was Tay Lee, so I'm going to assume he was inbounds. He talked about he's him. a special dude. Yeah. Losing effort, Jeremy Musa threw for 361 and three touchdowns. And Braden Huffman-Dixon, six catches, 175, and two touchdowns. So heck of a game between Roosevelt and CDM. Wow. One-handed Hail Mary to win it, huh? By the pylon. Wow. Knocked the pylon over, which... Touchdown. To me, pylons, that's a, that's a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. Was the foot inbound before he hit the – that was the Man, controversy. the guy that scored the, the touchdown. How about let's not let him catch it. <laughs> Moving along. Mission Viejo running back, Akili Arnold. 21 carries, 169 yards, and a touchdown. Mission Viejo got the last-minute victory over Servite. Great game, though. Yeah. Let's go to Capo Valley. Zach Rittner, three sacks and six tackles. He's got 19 sacks on the year, so shout out to Zach Rittner for balling out. Take it to El Toro, quarterback Cooper Jones, five touchdown passes. Shout out to our guys at OC Varsity. Go ahead, GB. Back to me. Yep. How about the guy we haven't mentioned in a couple weeks? How about Jordan Wilmore? He scored two more. Do we even mention him with just two touchdowns? I mean, Jordan, you got to get at least four in I the future. I need minimum four. But because it's a playoff game and because we haven't mentioned him, we're going to give you some love, Jordan. Jordan went for 25 carries for 173 and two touchdowns. How about Centennial quarterback in a game we'll talk about? Kind of a weird game. Centennial played against Sarah. Tanner McKee, 16 of 32. That's what, 50% passing? Yeah. You're not going to normally see Tanner with that kind of a – usually you see him around the 70 to 75% efficiency, but he still, he still threw for 275. Thomas Kinslow had 138 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And uh, Tanner McKee, I don't know how the rushing numbers, but we know he had the big, what, a 50-yarder at the end of the game to kind of do the dagger, kind of seal the deal in that game. But yeah. – uh, um, I got to credit for I got to credit Sarah for for a great defensive effort, offensively. Blaze McKibben for Sarah, 25, 23 of fifty three for two eighty four and three touchdowns. And Brian Addison had two little short touchdowns. Also had a fumble recovery. Also had an interception. Kind of does a little bit of everything for Sarah. Yeah, I thought Brian Addison was special as far as boys' ball skills. Jumped over a guy, caught it from the back of his guy's head, and another one kind of in the corner of the end zone. It's nice work. B.A. over there at my alma mater. Let's take it to NorCal really quickly for me. Let's go to Bear River quarterback Luke Baggett. Three touchdowns pass and one rushing. Folsom quarterback, repeat performer Caden Bennett. 295 throwing, three touchdowns, 90 rushing, and two touchdowns. That's five total. Oak Ridge quarterback Matt Jenner. 314 yards passing, six touchdowns. Gregory quarterback Bobby Avina. Four total touchdowns. Vista Del Lago running back Dominic Norris. 167 yards, two touchdowns. Sarah of San Mateo, Chris Parks, wide receiver, three catches, 142 touchdowns. Heritage Brentwood, Heritage Brentwood running back, Aiden Quinn, 19 carries, 147 yards. 
And then Sacred Heart running back Anthony Hurd had four touchdowns, and that's all I got for NorCal. I'm going to go back to Upland for a second. Didn't mention this when I talked about David Baldwin, but Kyle Jones also had a pretty big game. He had three touchdowns uh, rushing. Also, he blocked a punt that was recovered and ran in for a touchdown. And then uh, Cameron Davis had 12 carries for 121 and one more score there. So some really elite junior talent at Upland. If they don't get it this year, they got everybody coming back next year, just about. Upland's so. got ballers. They got a big game this week. Let's take it to San Diego real quick. I got one player, Rancho Buena Vista running back. Listen to this, GB. Why don't I have this kid's name? I don't have your name, kid, but I'll get it to you guys later. Rancho <laughs> Buena Vista running back, 38 carries, 499 yards, and eight touchdowns, Greg. The guy broke the single-game San Diego section hey. record. For touchdowns and rushing yards in a game. That's not bad. They've had some pretty decent running backs to come out of San Diego. Yeah. I mean, considering Marcus Allen, Ricky Williams, Reggie Bush. Yeah. This kid. This kid ran for 499 and eight touchdowns. I think this kid probably deserves his name mentioned on the Transparent Truth. Keith, how about you look for that name as we speak? How about the San Diego Tribune won't give me more access? (laughs) They shut me down. (laughs) How How about Arlita? Taking out Jefferson, but man, big games for E.J. Gabriel and Romeo Dobbs. For Arlita, E.J. Gabriel, mentioned him a couple weeks ago, uh, younger cousin of C.J. Gabriel, but E.J., 228 yards rushing and four touchdowns and a losing effort. Romeo Dobbs, uh, who will be our receiver in college, but he was playing quarterback for Jefferson, 198 yards rushing, three touchdowns, and two interceptions also. Some people think he could be a really good defensive back. Our boy James Finley, fin to win. Finn the win. Training Romeo and said, dude, he'd be a scary defensive back, but he's a heck of a receiver, but he's playing some quarterback and, and getting it done on both sides of the ball. So, Gable Dobbs. Nice job, boys. Hey, let's take it back to San Diego. Go back My to man's Diego. name okay. at Rancho Buena Vista, Dorian Richardson. 499 yards, eight touchdowns. So, Dorian Richardson, I want you to know, Coach Keith did, went the extra mile, looked you up really quickly while GB was ranting and raving over here. Dorian Richardson, Broke the San Diego rushing and touchdown record for a single game this past week in a playoff game. Shout out to you, big fella. I see you getting it done. Want to jet really quickly to Arizona. I got one guy, Castile quarterback, Gunner Cruz. Three touchdown passes led his team to a big upset victory in the playoffs. Nevada really fast. D-T-R. Eight for eight, 100 yards and a rushing touchdown. Not a huge game, but a huge game in the sense that Gorman is on their way to their ninth straight state final championship, which is huge. I don't. I, has anybody ever done it bigger and better than that in their state? I do not know. Let's take it to Hawaii really fast. St. Louis wide receiver Mitchell Quinn. He's a repeat performer. Listen to these numbers, Greg. Eight catches, 305, five touchdowns. I saw that. I was up late and following on Twitter, one of those, you know, Hawaii 808 type deals, and yeah. that quarterback put up ridiculous numbers, yeah. too. Right? Yeah, you got quarterback the, Chevin Cordero, yeah. 22 of 20, 26, 491 yards, five touchdowns, also ran for 119 in the touchdowns. If you're keeping track at home, that's over 600 total yards and six touchdowns. Chevin Cordero has been money yeah. all year. Going to UH. Yeah. Nick Rolovich, man, you, you need this guy right now. We need to turn that, we need to get some wins over there. Considering Joby Musa is committed there. That's not bad. That's not they got two, one, two guys push. coming in, no, no question. Yeah, how about Cam Cooper since we're going out of state? Okay. Out of Utah. Yep. 26 out of 37 for 320 and five touchdowns. How about bringing it back to SoCal just for a second? Oaks Christian junior running back Zach Turbinet, 18 carries, 165, and three more touchdowns for Zach Turbinet. Who you got, Keith? 
GB. Are you I good? I think I'm. I think I'm good. You know what? I think. Let me double, triple check. I think I'm good. I think I'm good also. So that that does it for our top performance list. Shout out there to all those go. guys yeah. in the first round of playoffs getting money, handling your business. We're gonna move along. Yeah, we got some games. We got some games, but before we do that, yeah, we got a special interview. Okay, uh, returning, but this time in a bittersweet mode. I want to bring in our guy. Maybe a bigger goat than my man next to me, GB. Our boy Brandon Huffman from Scout 247. B. Huff, how you feel? Man, every time I hear that Scout 247, <laughs> throws me off. I, I got to get used to that. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, like you guys say, it's been a, it's been a trying weekend, a, a sad weekend, but, you know, we press on, we move on. Hey, so Huff, let's just jump right in because obviously what Keith was alluding to was uh, was the passing. I don't even know how, what the correct term to use, but Tony Perry, you know, uh, longtime DB coach from Central, from Edison, DB guru, seven on seven, a uh, guy we both have known for almost twenty years, uh, passed away this weekend, and it just se- still seems surreal to me, and uh, I feel like I feel like he's going to call tomorrow to talk about, you know. One of his one of his guys, but I thought it'd be kind of fun just to have you come on and, and just kind of rehash some of our favorite TP memories and some of the guys that he's coached up. And when I when I think when I say Tony Perry to you, what what kind of what's the first thing that kind of comes to, to comes to mind when you think of TP? Man, I gotta say it was it's the the long phone calls of him telling us about some player that we've not heard of. And then him going on and on about how good this player was going to be. And then sure enough, we'd see that kid in action and he'd be good. And he's like, man, uh, GB, I told you this kid's the coldest. Ain't nobody able to stop him. And it would always be something like, man, your boy out there locking dudes up. And I'm like, uh, which one? But yeah, your boy out there. He, he, I'm like, GP, you're the DB dude. That's like eight possible guys we could be talking about right now. Which one's locking? And then it would be a, it would be a nickname. I'm like, all right, so which one was that again? But every time you'd see those guys in action, and they'd come to an event, they'd come to a 7-on-7 tournament, and he just, you know, they'd walk in with this confidence, this swagger, this edge to them. And sure enough, TP would say, you watch, my boy's going to go out there, and he's going to do work today. And sure enough, every single time, the guy that he would, would highlight, the guy that he would be his marquee guy at each event would, would do it. And he's like, what I tell you, Huff? What I, t- I told you that ain't nobody out there going to stop Jalen Johnson. I-, I-, I told you ain't nobody out there as cold as Steve Stevens. And every single time, it- it- he backed it up. And so it was those conversations, those long calls, where he'd be going through his list with the exact same guys that he went through the other time he called four days before for the same 45 minutes. And you just go on because this- the excitement in his voice to talk about his players, his guys, and even guys that didn't play for him at the school he was at or on the 7-on-17 seven seventeen. He just loved to, to talk up Fresno football players. And, gosh, there's just been so many players that, that he coached over the years and, and developed over the years. And, you know, to this, the thought of not getting another call from him, it just, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time grasping that. And, and I think the thing that you mentioned was he developed. He coached these kids. And I think we live in a day and age, not just with football or 7-on-7, seven seven, but everybody wants to claim somebody, right? Everybody wants to kind of try to take credit for, for what someone else is doing. But TP actually did coach up these guys and shoot for how many years in a row? I feel like he got one or two or even three guys out to Division One next level schools every single year. And you're only playing with four or five DBs, and he would get almost half his senior class 
a scholarship somewhere every yeah. single year. It was unbelievable. I mean, he would have classes where his just his entire secondary was FC or FBS players, and you know, at one point, I remember one of his last teams, uh, his first run at Edison High School. He had Cliff Harris at corner. He had Robert Golden at the other corner. You know, Cliff Harris was an All-American at Oregon. Robert Golden, four-year start at Arizona, still plays in the NFL for the Steelers. And his safety were Brandon Leslie, who went to Georgia Tech, ended up transferring to Hawaii, and T.J. McDonald, who's in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. And, and, you know, and that was just one year because two of those guys would be seniors, two would be juniors. The seniors would graduate. The next group of guys would come through. And the next two juniors would, would be guys. And it was like every year he had at least one. Uh, sometimes he had entire secondaries that were Division One guys. And no matter where he was at, whether it was at Edison the first time or when he went over to College of Sequoias or he went to Fresno Central or back to Edison, he always had dudes. And they would go to these big national events, and they would show out. And, it, and TP was never you know, one to, to, to be loud and boisterous about his guys. It was always just, man, what I tell you? I told you my boys were fitting to lock down today. And I'm like, you did? You did. And then he'd call you five times the next week to say, man, your boy locked. I was like, TP, I was there. I saw it happen. But it was just the, the pride he had in when his players performed and just the, the, the respect his players had for him, the respect other coaches had for him. Uh, it's just, you know, you don't see that in this day and age. Because this is a guy who has been doing it 20 years. I mean, my first recruiting class was 2003, 2004. And, I mean, you've been doing this since the, the late 90s. And, you know, guys that he coached are now coaches. And, you know, guys that his, some of the first guys he developed, Ricky Manny, I mean, you were covering when he was in high school. I came in a few years later, and you just keep going year after year after year. There were guys that TC had that he said, huh, GB, these guys are going to be locking fools down. You watch. And they sure enough did. Yeah, I mean, and he had every all shapes and sizes. He had guys that were just, you know, T. Shepard. We could probably talk about him forever. I think that might have been the guy, and he didn't say this about too many players, but I think he actually, I got him on record to saying T. Shepard was the most talented guy he's ever had. He had Jalen Johnson. He had those long guys. And then he had, like, the shorter, quicker bulldog types. You already mentioned a few of them. Johnny Johnson as well as and Ricky Manning. I just, the funniest part you said was, you know, when he called, and you see your phone, it was going to be Tony Perry. I always knew, okay, if he's calling me, it means you didn't probably pick up the phone. <laughs> if I put him in a voicemail, he's going to call you. It was always a long conversation. I think, you know, he'd always call when he was at school, walking around, because halfway through the conversation, he'd yell at some, hey, get to class. <laughs> and I honestly think he was just trying to kill time while he was at school because he was bored, and he would call up because he would literally say the same thing that he just said two days ago. And he would start the phone call off, GB, man. And then he'd pause, <laughs> and you're like, what's up, TP? And then he would laugh, that little laugh, chuckle. <laughs> Just seen your boy last night, GB. Which one was that, TP? And he would rattle off again. He didn't even know half the guy's names. He would yell, rattle off a nickname. I'm like, dude, we got to get this guy in the data. But what's his name? Oh, I'll call you back with that, with that name. Because it was always nicknames for him. And no chance of him actually spelling the name correctly, so you have to look him up yourself. Heights and weights were always a little bit off, but man, I, I just—it was so funny just watching him when he'd walk onto a football field. Just the respect that he commanded, and he was just such a lovable guy. Always quick to smile, quick to joke around. But his guys were just ballers, and he'd always, you know, had those ladder, ladders would come out, and everybody would just stop and watch. And he's just like, "GB, I got 23 drills. GB, no one has <laughs> drills like this." He's like, I got college coaches coming to my practice to watch my drills. And he was always proud of the drills. And But, uh, man, I just, there's so many good memories. If you can, let's do an all-time TP team. Who's the best 
corner slash safeties that you think that you've you know that he's ever produced in your eyes? Man, I I think the best corner. I mean, Ricky Manning had the best college career, but I, I think the best corner that he he coached was probably Cliff Harris. I mean. Cliff Harris was a dude. Yeah. And, you know, he was so good at Oregon. He was a great return guy. He had the off the field issues, but, I mean, just one of those guys that. We smoked it all. <laughs> That's what I think when I think of him. But he was a great player. But that, that, what, how classic was that line? Oh, it, it was. And, and, you know, TP was like, man, I got to get Cliff back down here and I got to give him a talking to. And you're like, man, I can't think of anything Cliff wants to do. He'd probably rather go face Chip Kelly. Then go face Tony Perry, disappointed that he let him down. Because, you know, the, the investment that he made in these guys, I, I go Cliff as a corner, I'd say, gosh, TJ McDonald would have to be up there for safeties. Um, you know, Steve Stevens has a chance to, to be a guy. I think Caleb Kelly, mm. you know, he, he started to get out of the DV game a little, not out of the DV game, but expanding a, a little bit. And he kept telling us about Caleb Kelly early on. And, and you know, Caleb Kelly, sure enough, he was one of our top three players out west his senior year. Um, he would be in there. Rolando Jefferson, I, I don't think people understand. Rolando Jefferson may have been the most physically gifted player that, that TP ever had that wasn't a corner. Deontay Greenberry, um, Micaiah Quick, Atari Burr. I mean, I, I know I'm Brandon Brazil. Man, he used to love Brandon Brazil, all 150 pounds of him. And he said, <laughs> Huff, you watch. You know, he may be skinny, but he's going to do some things in college. He was a bowl game MVP. He's like a four-year starter. He's like, man, he only 150 pounds. He was 155 until he went on the hill. And he would talk up the hill. And, man, he would say, oh, I get these kids on the hill. We do the hill during the summer. And I'm like, man, I can't think of anything worse to do than the hill in Fresno in the (laughs) middle of summer. But it made those guys tough. And, you know, I mean, I'm probably forgetting a lot of names just with the five or six names that I could come up with off the top of my head, that's how deep his impact was. That's how you know deep his database of players that he produced was. Yeah, no, I mean, it, his guys just, like I said, kind of in the story that Lorenzo wrote, they just kind of had a different look to them, right? They kind of had a little edge to them, and I think it was because they were from Fresno, so it kind of felt like they were being disrespected, and I think Tony kind of instilled that in them. So when they would come to an event, man, they looked angry and hungry. Like, they were ready to brawl. They were ready to go right from the kickoff. And he was smart because he would never, those guys would never talk. They wouldn't say anything, which I, which I think maybe added even more intimidation. And so it would always be they'd come out. I remember those first couple seven on sevens at, at Vegas. They would do it at UNLV, and there was this one entrance, and they'd come in. There'd be Hatari Bird with his shirt off. It's like 40 degrees, windy in Vegas in March, and Hatari Bird's not wearing a shirt. And you just see the look the guys are giving him as he's walking in. And then he'd have another guy with just a wife beater on. And just the look of those guys. And those guys are the nicest, friendliest dudes. But he would have them walk in just to instill this fear in other teams. And you could see everybody like, oh, there's that group from Fresno. Oh, they're those guys. And he he knew exactly what he was doing. And TP would have this little strut if he walked in, you know, and just this aura to him when he walked in that you just knew that it was kind of loyalty was entering the, the playing field and his players would just keep quiet, walking behind him, and just that intimidation factor because he basically spent that – because they would drive. They would either leave early that morning to get there in time for their full play game or late the night before and he'd pack them into a van and, and, you know, out of his own pocket, pay the entry fees to get these guys into these tournaments and into these camps. And he spent that entire eight, seven-hour drive saying, man, ain't nobody respecting the 5 five, nine, eight. Nobody respecting the Fresno players. So they'd come in pissed, 
and they would have that look on their face that they were pissed because they spent eight hours in this car having TP rile them up. It, it, the funniest part, well, not the funniest part, but whether it was seven on seven or high school, man, that poor guy just could never find a quarterback. <laughs> and, and if he could, he might have won almost every tournament because he would. I mean, every game was like seven to six or six to nothing or ten to whatever. It just he'd always come in before the season started. He'd call me. He goes. GB, no one's going to be able to keep us down this year. We're, gonna, we're winning the whole thing. I, TB told me that last year. You guys lost in the first round. He's all, you know, our quarterback play. And he'd always go back to the quarterback play. Tell your, tell your Manny Wilkins story. I mean, he's had it. He's been close a few times, but just can never get that signal caller. Yeah, so finally, you know, it's a 2013 seven-on tournament. And he's like, oh, I'm desperate. I need a QB. Who do you got for me? He had Marcus McMarion, who I think starting to Fresno State now. Uh, went to Oregon State. He's like, I-, I need another quarterback. You know, who do you got? I'm like, well, there's this kid from the Bay Area who doesn't have a seven on seven team. You know, seven on seven hadn't quite expanded in the Bay just as much yet. Um, he's like, is any good? I'm like, yeah, he's legit. He's like, all right, you know, see if you can get him to come down to Fresno. I'm like, wow, that might be tough, but I'll see. So Manny goes down, plays with him. He comes to Vegas, and you just keep seeing this Manny Wilkins to Makaya Quick play. That was one or two plays, boom, touchdown. But CTP always had to rotate his quarterbacks, and he'd always feel bad that if he did rotate his quarterbacks, other quarterback would come in, the offense would be stunted, and it'd always be like, CTP, what happened? Um, no, see, what, what happened was um, <laughs> he, he never wanted to throw anybody under the bus, so he'd never say his name. like, we just couldn't get into a rhythm with our, with our offense, you know, rotating the quarterbacks, and we were scoring with one, but we, we couldn't score with the other because we couldn't get into a rhythm, so he'd always kind of take the blame. But he was, he would always come back to his quarterback and he always had that look on his face. Like, no, uh, like, well, so what happened was it was this. He'd explain it to you like, TP, I watched it. The other quarterback wasn't good, but he, he cared so much for his players. He wanted to protect them at all costs. And, you know, that, that just, again, it, it kind of goes back to those were his guys. Those Fresno kids were his kids. And, you know, if you talk to anybody that, that is from Fresno, whether they were a DB, whether they were a lineman, a quarterback, even from Central California, Cody Kessler, he played in the end. That plays in the NFL now. Was a three-year starter at SC. He played with TP at a couple of events. I mean, they will all say they will all, in one way, shape, or form, have spent time working with TP in, in some variety. And that's the kind of legacy that you, you want to have left, where people can just say, "Oh yeah, he impacted me in so many ways, and it was more than just football." No, he was a legend. I mean, there was a lot of lot of people can you know talk bad about other you know guys and other seven on seven organizations, but I don't remember ever hearing anybody you know bad mouth Tony Perry because there was just no way you could right. I mean, he was such a no. lovable guy, and he got results, and his kids got out. They played hard, and they were tough, and they. I mean, there's no way you could say anything negative about the guy. Yeah, and and I think that's when you you would see just kind of the the way people approached him at different events. You know, the, the coaches that maybe have their beef with others on social media or at events, when, when TP was there, there was no beef. It was all just respect and love for the guy because he really, you know, there, there are guys that are in the 7-on-7 seven seven game now that their own kids went up and trained with TP five, six years ago, seven, eight years ago because they, they knew the, the impact he had from a coaching standpoint. And some of these guys, they've designed their, their training around some of the things that TP did. And there's just this mutual respect and, you know, this enormous amount of respect from coaches in Southern California, coaches in Northern California, coaches in Central California. I can't tell you how many texts I got. I mean, you probably got a whole bunch of yourself, guys, from just people that knew TP from seeing him at events and just couldn't believe it. But 
they themselves observed his coaching, observed his leadership, observed you know his love for his players. And I mean, I think you saw with all the college head coaches and college assistant coaches that were tweeting about him over the weekend. You know, TP was loved by so many in just the greater football community. Yeah, I mean, hopefully someone steps in the gap and picks up the ball, and and this year, you know, we'll still see DB Guru rolling because obviously they have kids. You know, they have dudes in Fresno, which they just need that vehicle to get them out that Tony always did. So I'm sure we can talk about this forever, Huff, but. Uh, we got to move on. I, I, I can't let you go. Though. I know you're down here in SoCal, so just real quick, you saw one of our top junior offensive linemen, defensive linemen. You saw you went at San Juan Hills, correct? Yeah, San Juan Hills at Redondo Union on Friday night. Um, you know, it was first round CIF playoffs. Uh, San Juan Hills first chance to get to actually see Sean Ryan in person. You know, he's not on social media. He doesn't do many camps, so it was all just kind of. Going off and huddle film and yeah. highlights. And What'd you think? In person. What'd you think? I, I like him. You know, yeah. In person, off the you know on the hook, he's a he's a good looking kid. He, he plays left tackle. Um, when he was turning it on, man, he he was good. Now, offensive linemen sometimes will take plays off. You know, they're, they're it's hard when you're in the trenches every single play. And he got banged up a little early. Had a little bit of a lower leg injury that he actually tried to to keep playing through. And finally, his coach called the timeout and he's like, "Sean, get down if you're hurt and get down." You know, because he was trying to truck through, but it was, it was clear he was banged up. Went and worked on the sidelines, came back in, and got it going again. But, you know, physically, very impressive. Uh, the, the soft offensive lineman in this 2019 class that I've seen in person, uh, I definitely think he's, you know, on that short list, real athletic. He's got some nasty to him. Um, you know, he, he plays through the whistle. Uh, it's just a matter of just being consistent, which is, you know, something that all linemen really have to work through of bringing it every play as much as you can instead of taking plays off. I'll give him a, a hall pass because okay. he was a little banged up, uh, but helped his team rally to win. They were trailing and came back and won and then held off a two-point conversion to, to hold on. I think they play uh, Cajon this weekend, so he's going to have his work cut out for him in week two, getting to go up against that uh, pretty good pass rush that Cajon has. Yeah, Jeremiah Martin, that'll be a nice game within the game. Hopefully those guys go head-to-head a little bit. Uh, that should be good. So, Huff, we got to go. We got to run. But thanks for coming on, buddy. This was good. Hey. It was uh, a trip down memory lane, and it was fun just talking about some of these guys that we've covered over the years. And I've honestly kind of forgot some of those names. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was... It wasn't the, like Hakeem mentioned, kind of bittersweet, but still fun to do. Absolutely. You know, now I'll talk about all the coldest players making you put on a sweatshirt. <laughs> that would be a great thing about shirt. Yes, That's absolutely. Just, always the coldest. We appreciate you, B. Huff. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks, fellas. All right. We appreciate Brandon Huffman from Scout 247 coming on, sharing his experiences, sharing his thoughts. Some of the laughter that he shared with the legend out of Fresno, Tony Perry. Uh, GB, that was a great that was a, that was a great interview. I get a chance to kind of reminisce and, and and think back and laugh a little bit about some of the times we've all had with Tony Perry. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not a crier. I don't really cry very often in movies. Whatever, I'll, I'll be honest, dude. I shed a, a few tears on Saturday when that news broke. I thought it was a joke when I saw someone say "Rest in peace, DB Grew." I thought maybe his team lost, and someone was just kind of being funny and saying, "Hey, his team lost." But yeah. when I started getting the texts, and I, I literally was shooken up. I couldn't believe it. I just talked to the guy guy a month ago. So I mean, this is a guy. Shoot, man, if you know anything about high school football, you know Tony Perry. I mean, he is a true legend, as we mentioned. So that was uh, it was good to kind of reminisce with, with our guy, Brandon Huffman. 
Yeah, no question about it. Moving along. We got our game recaps, GB. Well, what a week of games. Oh, man. Uh, high school football here in SoCal. So many huge games. So many close games coming down to the wire. Huge performances. Get us started. I don't even know how to get us started. I mean, I mean, what was... I think we both... Did you watch the... Uh, it was a prep zone game. Murata Valley and yes. Santa Margarita. Want to start with that one? Yeah, let's start with that one. So I mean, that, that was, was a 59 to 56 game. Yeah. Right? Where... It was just, it was kind of weird because I know uh, Santa Margarita was rolling. I mean, they had won a couple back-to-back, come-from-behind games, beat Jay Sarah at the buzzer near it. Same thing with Orange Lou. Yeah. Uh, was up at the half, 20-14. to 14, Right. Right. Murad Valley scored really easily. Yeah. As they're prone to do. They got a great offense. But then once I thought, I thought Santa Margarita kind of had control at halftime. Kind of assumed, hey, Trinity League team, they're going to find a way to get this done. They're up, you know, 20 to 14. They're sure. just going to grind it out. Sure. Murata Valley, God bless the offense, but the defense hasn't been able to stop anybody Not a all year. And in fact, the game plan, they know it. The game plan for Murata Valley is, hey, we're going to outscore you 70 to 60. Yes. They got a – so Murata Valley scored, caused a fumble – Scored again within like three minutes. Now it's twenty to twenty-eight. Now we got a ball game. And from there it was just back and forth, back, back and, and forth. forth. Yes. You just had Mygar making a play. You had Spiker, Hank Bachmeyer making plays. It was, it was kind of unbelievable. But dude, Santa Margarita had seven hundred and twenty-seven yards of total offense and lost. It doesn't happen very often. You get that much offensive production. I don't know a game that I've ever seen. That you 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 get that many yards total offense and you take a L. Murata Valley's got a really good offensive line. We've seen that, right? Sure, They're able absolutely. to shut down some really good pass rushers. Jeremiah Martin, Kayvon Thibodeau didn't even get a hurry. That offensive line is good. Sure. They're really well coached. Again, we have an interview with Coach Duffy on Friday, but you know he's Andre Smith, a friend of mine and longtime O line coach, does a phenomenal job at Murata Valley. So they can protect Hank. That's the deal. Like, so they're not a Division One team per se, like a training league team is. But if you can protect Hank up front, give him three seconds to throw, they have Spiker and other guys that are going to make plays. Spiker was unreal, 284 yards, four touchdowns. Hank was running it and throwing it, poised, very, very tough. He was, he was making some deep throws on that last drive, right? They're driving down the field, and... This was kind of key, and, and Duff kind of broke it down. But they got one timeout left. They're on about the 30-yard line. They try to run for a first down. They thought, hey, easy first down. We'll, we'll pick it up. Running back fell short. They got to call a timeout. Bring the football unit on because they, they don't have any more timeouts left, right? So you can't risk running another, uh, another play. Right. How do you feel about this as a coach? So San Margarita calls a timeout to freeze the kicker. Sure. Okay. So they don't kick it. Timeout, come back into play. They call a second timeout, try yeah. to freeze the kicker. Well, Mirada Valley kicks the field goal anyway because they, t- they didn't know the timeout had already been called. I always say, man, if they're going to call a timeout, get a free practice kicking, right? You don't right. have nothing to lose. Right. But he kicks it and misses it. It comes up short. Yeah. Do you like the double timeout to freeze the kicker as a coach? Did you just do a one, a two, or, or no timeouts at all? This is a 47-yard. Let me just play this whole. I want sure. to get your answer after I tell. So the kick comes up short. So now they say, you know what? He came up short. Let's run a play. Let's move it more to the center. Get the first down. They pick up just two yards. People say, oh, it's just two yards. You know what? It wasn't just in high school. The hashes are kind of are further out wide. They brought the kick more inside, gained two yards. 
Next kick is, is he drills it. Yeah. Which at the high school level, extra points are an adventure. Kid drills a 45 yard that made it by about a yard. Yeah. So I, when I say drill it, I mean he got it over the he got it over the goal. <laughs> he grazed it over he the goal. He grazed it over yeah. the stinking goal. But um, did you like doing the timeout? One or two? None? Yeah. When I when I was a coach, we fell into that similar situation. We did not use a timeout. I'm from I'm from the old school as if listen, if the guy is good enough to make a 47-yarder to beat us in the clutch, then he's just you got to just tip, yeah. tip your cap. Sure. Right? But I'm just going to allow it to play out. You know, I don't I don't know how much, you know, calling a timeout is going to do to free somebody or Give whatever. Give more time to think about yeah, like it. Like you said, like you said, uh-huh. it gives them a practice kick. Yeah. Right? It gives them ability to receive feedback, adjust I don't want that as, as a defensive coach. I want a guy in a pressure situation to get up there, rush it, not think about it, not have feedback, not have valuable data that he can now apply to his next kick. I don't like that as a mm, coach. Yeah. I don't mind the – I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Um, I don't. I didn't mind the first one timeout, but calling the second one – it just seems like that's a little bit. It's a reach. It's a reach, especially when you just you allow the guy to get a, a free practice kick in there. Yeah. And then he ends up moving the ball up by two yards. But tell you what, man, Murata Valley is going to take on Centennial, and obviously, you know, our boy Hank Bachmar, he loves looking looking for bullets and board material. Hank, we love you. Centennial is going to be a very tough out, but shoot, just getting this far. Yeah. This is their first year in Division One. Yeah. To beat a team like Santa Margarita, which is good. That's a third-place Trinity League team. Yes. They played everybody tough, including Bosco in modern day. So that's a huge win for Murata Valley. You know, Hank really showed me a ton in that game. Spike showed me a ton. That was a hats off to Murata Valley. Uh, Santa Margarita had a great season. Came down to a kick. Yeah. Right? On the the road. On the road. On the road. Norwood was phenomenal. Magyar was phenomenal. Yeah. Monteele had a couple couple touchdowns. Like you said, over 700 yards of offense. Yeah. Yeah. Just couldn't get a stop, which is, again, you you, you think they would be able to adjust somehow defensively and, and do something, but no real elaborate or they didn't really try to scheme Spiker any differently than you would for any other receiver. I, I don't understand it. And it'd be different if it's modern day who has four or five multiple guys. I mean, you're right about got a couple other guys, but they have one guy who's clearly head and shoulders above everybody else clearly. in that field. Greg, I don't understand it, Greg. Yeah. Why do you play a Mon Rob saying Brown one-on-one? I don't care. You don't play the man one-on-one. You do not play Marquis Spiker one-on-one. I don't care. Marquis Spiker is not going to beat me. Don't cover the other guys. Leave them uncovered if that's what it takes. Don't you cannot walk <laughs> off the field with your head down saying, I let Marquis Spiker beat me. I yeah. let Amon Rob. No. That is rule number one as a defensive coach. Make someone else beat you. Yeah. Right? In any sport. Basketball. Any sport, Greg. Don't let LeBron. You gonna let Wayne beat Gretzky you? just take <laughs> the puck up the field, I mean up the ice and knock in a goal? I like you going with the hockey. I know, you, I know your game. I know your game. Hey, how, about, how about we stay with kicking? You want to stay with the kicking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about sure. Servite Mission Viejo? Yeah, which was a great one. So another game, you know what? And we we kept talking all week about, you know, what an incredible second round game it's going to be between Chaminade and Mission Viejo. Yeah, we look like some jerks. Not to get ahead of ourselves with Chaminade. Obviously, the people know they, they took an L. 
But Servite, dude, your Servite Friars, with no pep talk at all from you. You know, I got. I, I don't. You probably didn't hear this, but I actually uh, gave the coaches and the players a call before the game started. Did they tell you about this? No, they didn't. I, I talked to Julius and a couple of the guys. Talked to Cade. Got them going. They almost pulled it off. My Servite Friars. I think it's probably why they were fatigued in the fourth quarter. Almost pulled Greg. that off. <laughs> yeah, you know no, what? No, no, serious note, though. Yeah. So, uh, 38 to 36. Yeah. Mission Viejo kicked a last-second field goal. Not a last-second. They kicked a field goal to go up by two. Servite drove the field. Nice return by Julius Irving. Got, you know, about a 40-yard return. And then they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And set up a 45, or was it a 42? Oh, it was a 42, I believe. 42, 43, yeah. 44. Cade yep. Fuller, who's the long-distance guy, hadn't kicked a field goal all year, but brought him out there, and it was a little, you know, wide left. Thoughts on that game, and shoot, what a game. It gives me a chance to, to reach back to, again, when I was when I was coaching Greg. The, the playoffs do something to you, Greg. The playoffs do something to players. Playoffs? Listen, man. I remember driving down to go play Esperanza. They were the number two seed or three seed in the Pac-5 playoffs. And my Compton High School team from right there off of Acacia and Alondra, we go down there and we smashed Esperanza. I mean, the playoffs, man, they make you dig deep. And that survey team, I, I saw it, Greg. You know what? I saw it in their reaction after they lost. I saw it in the effort that they played with. Man, what a great game. Oh, it's back and forth. Back and forth. Big-time players stepping up, making big-time plays. Comes down to a field goal. Um, questionable on how kind of Servite handled that last drive. I thought they could have done some things differently. But, you know, hindsight is always 20-20. Mm-hmm. But hats off to two really good teams yeah. who played their hearts out. Julius Irvin. Interception, touchdown catch. We talked about Akili Arnold earlier. He busted a long 80-yard run. Wow. Uh, OG Elijah Griffith had a long touchdown grab or two. Tyler McMahon was running and throwing all over the place. So how about the, how about the uh, coaching adjustment? Trent McDuffie moved to running back this game. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's done that a lot this year, but he made a sick run. 15 carries for 159 and a touchdown. Tell you what, man. Good-looking athlete on both sides of the ball, but looks like a natural running back moving forward. He's only a junior. You mentioned the mission kid, Joey Yellen, threw for 280 and three touchdowns, had yeah. the one interception. But, man, I, I mean, we knew Servite was good. We knew the Trinity League was tough. But, man. But to come that close. Yes. To knocking off the number five seed, Mission Mejo, who was undefeated on that year. How many tackles did Christian Laval have? I'm gonna, dude. Elijah Griffin had 11 tackles in this game. That's what the playoffs do to you, man. It makes Christian you lay Laval it on had line. 14. Yeah. Four, and the guy's a tackling machine. Reese Height, he's a guy I like a lot. Junior kid who's now healthy. He had a sack and a bunch of tackles. So. And hey, listen, GB, I Unreal. know Cade Fuller is the long distance kicker. And, and, and I love Cade. But I wanted to see my guy, Anthony Grisotti, get a shot. Well, My guy Grisotti already yeah. made a game winner this year, and I was screaming from the from the from the Facebook live, "Give Grisotti a shot! He's money. He's like Sean Dollars. He's money." 
but he's not money from 40 yards on out. Ah, that's, the, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think listen, they do. I get it. No, I think they yeah, do. Yeah, they do. No one second guessed. No one was second guessed who was kicking. I think sure. the second guessing was you have multiple receivers, right? That are that are athletes. Yeah, you know, you have Delon. We have yeah. Julius. Yeah. I, I get it. They were getting chunks of yards when they were running the ball. Right. The problem was the clocks tick, tick, ticking away. I feel like you could have still maybe, and I'm not second guessing because I was saying it as we're watching it. Thanks for sending me the link, by the way. Sure. As we're watching, I go, man, just a quick hitch or a slant will yeah, get you give 10. Give me five, give me eight. Yeah. That's all you sure. needed was five or eight. Yeah. You didn't need 50. No. Don't throw a deep ball. I'm just saying, if you have Delon or Julius or McDuffie or one of these playmakers, just a quick out route. A quick out. You know, they're get not going to press it. Right. Yeah. They, they weren't, they didn't no, look to be in press soft. coverage. They're playing a little bit soft. Yeah. And when they were running the ball, they were getting five to six chunks, but I thought you could have gotten, you could have maybe broken one of those guys for yeah. 10 or 12. And all of a sudden now the clock stops. Yeah. You get a first down. Now it's a 30 yard field goal instead of a 42. Now Grisotti is out there to kick the 30 yarder as opposed to the 43 yarder by a guy who hasn't kicked all year. Yeah. Cade's a stud. Yeah. Cade. Go out and have a, a great soccer season for Servite. Sure. Kid's a special special talent, soccer man. He can get up. But, uh, yeah, shout out to, to Servite. You've been on that bandwagon all year. Man, they almost made you dang proud with that, that win. Mission Viejo lives to fight another day, and they are going to play a team that we like to call the Orange Lutheran Lancers. We just talked about that. Would you like a nice yeah, little segue? Right into it, man. Maybe the biggest upset of the year. <laughs> How dumb. I mean, I... I don't know about that. Oh, because we knew they're good. Right? They're 0-5. But still, I mean, if you have Ryan Helensky, Logan Lawyer, or Kyle Ford, we can't it's not Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. This was they have dudes. They lost a last second field goal to Servite. They lost to Jace uh Santa Margarita yeah. when they're up the whole game. So it wasn't like this is like, you know, some little chihuahua taking down a great Dane. No. We both picked Shamanad. Yeah. I said Shamanad has a chance to, to play with anybody. And they go one and done. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I was scratching my head. I mean, I, let me first of all, let me credit Orange Lutheran. Always do that. Ryan is a is a monster in that pocket. He threw the ball for 300-plus. We know their receiving targets are good. We know about Chloe. The offensive line did a great job protecting my guy from Chaminade, though, man, Andrew Van Buren. I got to just call him Van Buren right now, GB. He was injured. He was hurt. He was nicked up. He had an ankle that was kind of lingering. Could not get his game going. Chaminade offense was not the same without him. Probably missed the guy who's on the other side of the country in Bradenton, Florida. But that's neither here nor there, GB. Tough way to go out if you're Chaminade. We we talked about them being one of the top five teams in the state. Mm -hmm. And they get the first round TKO. By the Orange Lutheran Relancers and junior quarterback Ryan Halinski comes back to San Fernando Valley area, gets a big W, and sends the Eagles home in a milk carton. See, I, I don't know if I necessarily. I don't, I don't think you. you did, I don't think you took a shot at Van Bully taking away the bully from his last no, name. I, didn't I mean, shot. No. if your ankle, and again, what we were told was the ankle had so much tape around it that you yeah, could yeah, look like sure. he was, it was a cankle. Yeah, it wasn't I, wasn't, even an I ankle. wasn't taking a shot. So just the fact that he was out there trying to give yeah. it a go, but for me, 
jumping on Chaminade the way we did, it was contingent on him being Bamboli. So, of course, if he's playing at 70%, because the one weakness I thought Orange Lou had was in their rush defense. Of course. We saw teams be able to run up uh, down the field and, and be more will. physical up front. Yes. You take away Chaminade's ability to, to be a bully. They didn't have really a, you know, a similar backup running back. And now Ryan Stevens, who played very, very well. Michael Wilson did his thing, as he always does. But yeah, Ryan Holinsky throwing for over 300 yards. Logan Loya, Kyle Ford. They didn't have a... They couldn't slow those guys down. They had one last chance. Yeah. Had the ball with a minute left or so, and just one last chance to get down the field and wasn't able to get it done. But like you said, man, credit Orange Lou. This is, I think, this is where I think, you know, playoffs... This team had lost five games in a row. Couple close ones, but still, they lost five in a row. But I, this is where I almost think you, you come from the Trinity League, you kind of almost have that little pride slash arrogance of thinking, okay, we're better than everybody else because we played in this league. And they weren't intimidated or backing down yeah. from Chaminade at all. It's like that SEC arrogance. Uh, sure. So now we almost we almost had both our four and five seeds losing. Orange Lutheran takes down Chaminade. Mission Viejo survives and advances. It's like March Madness. Just want to survive and advance. Now we'll see Orange Lutheran taking on the Mission Viejo Diablos. Yes, sir. How about a game that we also both watched? It was the TV game. Yeah. Centennial. Was it, no, that was no, no. Long, Jace, let's talk about Long Beach Poly. Yeah. That was a TV game. Yep. Long Beach Poly and Jay Sarah talking about the Trinity League. They're not a Trinity League team. I think Long Beach Poly kind of has that same pride slash arrogance of, you know what, we are Poly. We are the Jackrabbits. No question. We have as much talent as everybody else. We don't care what we league have, we're in. No question. And they played the best game they played in all year. I, I thought that, that was their most complete game. They won 60-44. to 44. You're going with, they gave up 44 points. It wasn't like that. Yeah. They were very, very good. They made a ton of plays. Jay Sarah's got dudes... You know, Matt Robinson, I think he threw four picks, but he made a lot of plays with his arm and his legs. First play of the game, he goes play-action pass to Tariq Luckett. Kind of similar to my guy Jared Goff going play-action pass to Robert Woods for the Rams. A little bit. And right then, I'm thinking, okay, Jay Sarah's going to kind of flex a little bit. You know, Polly, you know, just they didn't look lost good a against heartbreaker Sarah. against Sarah. Yeah. They, Are they going to be like, good, oh, screw this. Yeah. Dude, they rallied. Matt Corral played his best game, I thought. Protected the football. Made great decisions. I love it when Matt runs with the football. The guy runs, and he is an athlete. And he's big, and he can get yards after contact. He can't just make you miss. He can actually get plus yards. So I'd rather see Matt do that than try to squeeze a ball into triple coverage. You're an athlete. You're an athlete. Run for Take the 8 to 10 yards. I love watching Ashari Crosswell at, at running back. Yep. Where's that been all year? I, he'll tease you. He, one or two carries here and there. But I'm, give the guy 15 give carries, Give the guy right? 15 carries, please. Markham Twins. Keon Markham with a pick six. Keon Markham was making plays. Jalen Hall with a nice touchdown catch. You already mentioned uh, Tolliver. Who Malachi Tolliver. I like the way he plays, man. He actually <laughs> wraps up and runs through guys. He didn't yeah. do the whole little bump. He no. wraps up and, and hits. Good football player. LeBeau with the two picks. Yeah, for Pauly, to that third quarter, they just ran, I think, 17 straight points. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. Right then. 
Nice job at the Jackrabbits. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, I was impressed. A good bounce back performance versus a a, a high quality JCR team. We know they were limping in, coming off of two disappointing losses, but. Polly, man, I thought they looked explosive. I thought they looked dynamic. I thought they looked very athletic, as they always do. And I didn't see a lot of bonehead plays. I, I, I saw, you know, execution. I saw some discipline. I saw guys doing what they were coached to do. Hmm. I saw Jalen Hall make a play that I haven't seen Jalen Hall make in a year and a half. Maybe, a jump ball between two defenders. Yeah, maybe, maybe the yeah. lights come on there. LaBeouf is – I've always been intrigued by him. Ashari Croswell. You talk, you, I mean, you named him, Greg. I don't need to go back over it. I was impressed with Long Beach Poly. They got a big-time matchup this week. We'll talk about that on our Friday matchup show. But uh, Jay Sarah, want to shout those guys out. Malik McClain had two sacks. I think I gave him 19 for the year. Matt Robinson, he's all heart, man. The guy can run and throw. Mm. He made a beautiful, beautiful throw to Shimon Mora. Yeah. I want to shout out my guy, Tyler Shimon Mora. Three touchdown receptions, had a career game. But I've liked him all year, Greg. I've been saying that the kid can really play. Matt threw a beautiful crossing route, running left, scrambling left, throwing it back across his body towards the middle of the field to an oncoming or crossing receiver, Shimon Mora. Just a beautiful throw on time and on target. It was a good game. That third quarter, it was entertaining. Kind of yeah, it was entertaining. Very, very entertaining. Fourth quarter really dragged on. Like, yeah, literally, did. that game was going on almost to eleven o'clock. I was like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> game is not going to end. But yeah, the first, first three quarters, yeah. it was really Al entertaining. Fisher was very good. Yeah, playing on one leg basically. Yeah, I mean, he was limpy. He, yeah. like sprained both ankles. He played he with two quick, sprained ankles. Quick and explosive. Yeah, I, but I'm telling you, I really like Al Fisher, man. College is somebody's going to wake up and offer this guy a scholarship. It's a nice job. The Jackrabbits will take on Modern Day, who really had no issues at all with this Murrieta. Uh, probably won't spend too much time on that one. They won 49 to seven. That was actually a little closer than I thought the score would be. You know, JT three touchdowns, 220 yards. Amon Ra had four catches for 106 and two touchdowns. Elias Ricks had a pick six for Modern Day. I think it's probably one of those games they you know they rested a lot of guys in the second half. So. Modern Day will take on Long Beach Poly. That's a great rivalry. Kind of mentioned back in the day when we had Bruce Rawlinson on for our interview was that one thing that kind of got me into high school football as a fan was watching those Modern Day Long Beach Poly games back when it was Matt Kurtigan on one side and Herman Ho-Ching on the other side and just so many athletes back and forth. So that'll be fun to relive that one a little bit. But Modern Day rolls, no issues for them. How about a game that that was a, a prep zone game a game that was much closer than I thought it would be. Centennial ended up beating Sarah 35 to 21, but for a long part of this game, it was a it was a one possession game, and I think it might have even did Sarah actually tie it up at 21 apiece they at did. one time, they and then did. it was 21 apiece. Centennial scored, and then Tanner yep. McKee had the long 50, 50 yard run late in the game when kind of felt like Sarah kind of almost gave up a little bit, but just a great game plan. You know, I, I talked. To a Sarah coach after the fact, I go, hey, did you guys have a, a spy on Tanner? Looked like either Addison or Merlin were kind of spying on because Tanner didn't have a lot of room to run, and they did a nice job shutting down the running game. Again, you know, they, they broke a couple, but for the most part, it was it was two yards, three yards. Usually, it's like they get like chunks of yards. Sure. 
the the DBs were all over the receivers. I kind of made a joke. It was like when the Patriots played my Rams in the Super Bowl, back before they changed the rules, those DBs were just clutching Isaac Bruce, clutching yeah. my guy Torrey oh, yeah. Holt, Ricky Prohl, Oz Hakeem. And they were physical. They actually changed the rules. You can't do some of the stuff you can do now. If they had those rules back then, the freaking Rams win the Super Bowl. Sorry. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. But they were real physical. Greg Oliver, uh, his first game back in a year, Max, nice little rival. Uh, I think we're going to see nice this next year. We'll yeah. probably see it all next year if they these two play each other. Gary Bryant for Centennial, Max doing his thing. But all across the board, I thought you saw Centennial pressing those Centennial receivers. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of separation. Centennial dropped some balls. I think one ball had a guy in the chest, up in the air for an interception that Addison took back. You know, Tanner throws that that slant as good as anyone no, I've ever course. seen, but he didn't have. There wasn't a whole lot of separation. No, and I they, was there was some. There was, there was you know With what? Sarah's defense. Yeah. So I've been waiting to talk a little bit about this because first of all, I want to congratulate Centennial. They got the W. They move on. They survive and move on. You know, appetite for destruction, but they did not destroy Sarah. <laughs> I want to shout out the Sarah coaching staff defensively, in particular. I thought they came up with a creative dynamic defensive game plan, Greg. And I watched a little bit of that game, and what they did was they took that front four and they said, okay, you guys take the dive. Wherever this dive is going, I want this front four plus this backer behind you. So five guys are on the dive. And they they stacked the linebacker behind the kind of first-wave linebacker. They stacked the guy behind him. And he was always responsible for Tanner McKee, no matter what. So you five guys are on the dive. This sixth guy who's stacked behind on a third level here in the box, you're going to take the quarterback wherever he goes. Did a phenomenal job. Took Centennial a while to figure it out and block it up. Finally, they sprung Tanner late in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure they ever really did figure it out because on that last touchdown that Tanner had, again, not calling anybody out, but the guy responsible, Basically, it felt the game was over, and he didn't do his assignment. He kind of floated okay. on that on that one play, okay. and it was kind of like games. That's just lack of discipline. Yeah. But I mean, I'll tell you what. Moving forward, yeah. I saw Sarah receivers getting open, and I, I like Blaze McKibben. I think one thing he needs to work on this this off season is just accuracy. Yeah. You know, he throws sometimes he throws late, throws behind guys. Yeah. He, he will step in to the throws. He's got enough physical ability to, to get the ball. Too. Yeah. He's tough, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he missed three or four games with you know some internal organ stuff, which, yeah. which is brutal. But for me, the most important thing that you can have as a quarterback, other than toughness, is probably accuracy. Nothing worse than, you know, you got perfect protection, guy breaks open, play the fight song, and the pass goes, you know, out of bounds. Out of bounds, or it's overthrown. But he, he was a little bit behind some guys. If Blaze can improve his accuracy, he's got a chance to be good. But there were several receivers running open in the secondary. There were plays to be had. So Centennial's going to beat Murrieta Valley. I'm just curious just about that matchup and how many yards does Murrieta Valley have. And then moving forward, Bosco and Modern Day, they're going to watch that film and be like, dude, there's plays to be made here. If we can pass protect... And keep Drake Jackson, those guys, off our quarterback. Drake had a good game, he by did. the way. Drake, Drake. Jr. Jr. for Centennial had a really good game. But that Centennial, I look, always looking for a weak link. We kind of mentioned earlier about, you know, modern day's got a young secondary. Mm-hmm. I think Centennial's got a pretty youngish, youngish secondary, too. Yeah. So 
I saw a little chink in that Centennial yeah, defense. Well, well, I saw it against Norco. Against Norco. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, even more so against Sarah. Yeah. And obviously, Modern Day and, and Bosco have some pretty decent receivers and, and a quarterback, DJ and, T, J, DJ and JT, yeah. who can throw the ball. On the flip side of that, Greg, I'm a defensive guy. I look at that game plan Sarah used. I look at that game plan and I try to emulate that in some form or fashion. I call the Sarah coaches up and say, hey, what did you guys do? What were, what were your keys? Talk to me about the concept. I go get that game plan. I break it down. I call for more information. And I insert that, institute that into our defensive game plan. Not as maybe the primary plan, but definitely as an adjustment or a different mm-hmm. look. You know what I mean? And I think the game plan was simple. You do kind of what Duke basketball does. You foul and hold on every single possession, and, and, and the ref can't call it every single time. Yeah. So you line up your DBs, and yeah. you grab and mug. And as long as the ball's not in the air, the refs will call it when it's, when it's in the air and there's clutching. But before the ball's thrown, they almost let you, yeah. within that five yards, they let you kind of manhandle, manhandle those receivers well, the, well, the a little bit. Well, the rule says you can, in high school, yeah, you yeah. can contact the receiver as long as the ball's not in the air. Yeah. So guys taking advantage of the rules. And they were definitely doing that. Taking advantage of that. Yeah, no question right? about it. Let's move along. So how about St. John Bosco, Bishop Amont. Bosco won this one 35 to 21. It was 21 to nothing at, at half. Uh, Amont kind of rallied a little bit, made it made it close. Uh, DJ finished 18 to 23, 307, three touchdowns. Also had a rushing touchdown. Also had three drops. Delgado Bowman had over 100 yards for Bosco. So the passing game was clicking. Uh, unfortunately for Bosco, over 140 yards and penalties in this game. Wow. And again, uh, from you know, just from kind of hearsay and even listening to the <laughs> the post-game interview with, with Coach Negro, he kind of said, you know what, sometimes the game's just too fast for the refs. So I don't know if necessarily he was saying it was his guys or he was just, you know what, the refs are missing some calls. But it's been one of those deals where either they need to clean some stuff up Maybe it's extracurricular. Maybe it's bad calls. But here's the I'll thing, tell you GB, what. It's been all year, though. Yeah. Uh, it's been all year. Is every ref bad? I I don't want to comment too much without actually watching it. I mean, I'm just asking all a I'm question. Saying is you this. know what I mean? All I'm saying is, you know, a lot of times when you have a team, and I said this earlier, you know, Bosco likes to play with a lot of brashness. And that edge. You're going you're gonna to draw some penalties that are probably going to be weak. Because just the brashness and the attitude and the swagger that you play with. But uh, anyways, Bosco rolled. Um, again, sounds like, again, talking to some of the Bosco people, Aaron Maldonado was a beast. They said, dude, number 77 was a monster. Yeah, it's as a, he always is. Amon's good. They just said, yeah, it's a good yeah. football team. So uh, they were thankful to get out of there with a two-touchdown lead. 35-21, to 21, DJ keeps, keeps rolling, uh, not turning the football over. Um, so overall, nice job by the Braves. Um you know, they didn't really get off rushing the ball. You know, George Helani had 74 yards, averaged about four and a half yards a carry, which is not bad. But, you know, I want to see Bosco rushing for 200 yards. I want to see George going for 150. Uh, Nathaniel Jones, you know, averaged four and a half yards, but he only had two carries. And then DJ had 25 yards rushing as well. So right now they're kind of opening up the offense. Again, Delgado, Bowman, both had the big games. Uh, Chris Hudson, who's now firmly in that rotation, uh, he had uh, five catches. 
Jude Wolf had a couple catches. Jude. So Jude. He had a couple catches. So yeah. Bosco will take on this week a Rancho Cucamonga team. Sure. That's got a lot of athletes. Absolutely. Right? A lot of athletes, a couple running backs that are good, a really talented secondary. They don't have anywhere near the size up front on either side of the line. But they've got speed. But they got a lot of speed, a lot of a lot of athleticism. Yeah. It's gonna it's, that's gonna be good. It's uh it's gonna be real good. It's, I'm interested to see how these athletic DBs at Rancho Cucamonga matches up with the Bosco receivers. But Bosco and Centennial seem to be on a collision course. Do not underestimate or underrate Rancho Cucamonga. They got players, they got talent. Jeremiah Cradell is a difference maker on both sides of the ball. We talked about Cam Stevens earlier in the year. Better look out. You better look out. Hey, let's leave D1 for a second. I want to talk about you know, Norco and LaSalle. Uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, but Norco took down LaSalle 56-34 to in that game. And I, I mentioned it before. I thought Norco was, was going to be a really tough out in D2. They play Valencia this week. That's the TV game. And I love both these two teams. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that they're playing this early. Because I honestly feel like Norco could have made a run. And they still can, yeah. but I thought, man, these two teams would be this would be a great final, and it happened to meet in the second round. Yeah, we know how good Valencia is, but uh, you know, Losal hats off, great season, won the Sunset League for the first time in three years, I believe. But Norco has got some confidence right now. They got multiple receivers making plays. The young quarterback last year is making some throws, and they got a horse in Travis Dye, who you can give the ball to thirty times. They got a big offensive line. They got three D one guys. Tell you what, Narco, they're good. They got a chance. Man, Travis Dye's averaging 350 plus yards a game over his last three games. Sheesh. You talked about their offensive line. They're dominant in the trenches. Valencia, they're on upset alert, Greg. You know who else had a good game for Narco? A guy we've been kind of waiting on for the light bulb to go on all year. Jaden Navarrete. He had three sacks. Talking to one of the coaches, and they're like, hey, you know what? He's starting to come around. Sure. I, I don't know when he first got to Narco. I, probably a little bit shell shocked. I, I never loved him as a receiver. I always thought him as a, a defensive player. I was like, and I would tell, I, t- I would tell him this in person. I, him and Uncle Johnny, I go, dude, outside linebacker. Don't you want to be the guy off the edge, hitting people instead of being this big receiver? And I think he loved receiver, but as an outside linebacker off that edge, they're they're saying, man, he's practicing hard, he's making plays, and he's starting to get it. Three sacks this game. He looked really good coming off that edge and. I mean, he's a natural athlete with some size, and if he kind of starts to come around, now you've got a guy who can make some plays on defense to go along with that offense. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, you know what? I got a quick analogy, GB. You always got you know, analogies. You know what? <clears throat> Beyonce, when she was with Destiny's Child, yeah. she was good. But now that she's Beyonce by yeah. herself, she's great. Sometimes what you like isn't the best thing for you. You've got to do what God has called you to do. Jay Navarrete, I know you like to play receiver. You like to run and catch the ball. It looks nice. <laughs> you can put it on Twitter. You can put all the videos up. I get it. Listen to me, son. You go to outside linebacker, you're a national recruit. If I was you, I'd be an outside linebacker for the rest of my life. Just saying. I like that. Just saying. I like that. I second that. I second that emotion. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Jaden, or anybody out there, yeah, a a nice little touchdown catch. But for me, 
I'm much more impressed on a Twitter video of a guy off the edge and murdering the quarterback. Yeah, that, that's please. even cooler. Uh, yeah, listen. I love to see it. I like seeing that. Yeah, come on. That's not to be argued, okay? Let's move along. Hey, let's talk about the Corona Del Mar Roosevelt game. Again, kind of touched on it. This was a 42 to 35 game. Chase Williams, uh, Roosevelt star player going to Nebraska, did not play. He hurt his shoulder two weeks ago. Blair was at that game and his shoulder literally popped out. He had to pop it back in the sideline. So wow. Chase was out. Brandon Huffman Dixon was the dude for Roosevelt, but Corona Del Mar, Nathaniel Espinoza just went off. Roosevelt is still up. Late in the game, kind of put the finishing touches on this game, and then CDM scores late. Onside kick, recovers it. Clock is ticking away. You got a guy who's named Tay Lee. <laughs> you cannot stop Tay Lee. You can barely hope to contain Tay Lee. This is a dude. This is a guy who had 20 touchdowns as a junior last year. Him and Chase Garbers were a great combination. And you know what? Sometimes you can have great coverage. You can have the great game plan. But if athlete A is better than athlete B, he's going to make a play. Yeah. And Tay Lee made a spectacular one-headed catch right there near the goal line with 15 seconds left to seal the deal for CDM. You know, Corona Del Mar was the home team. They were the favorite. I thought Roosevelt could really make a run. I love their schedule. I said they have four losses, but they were to teams that were like Servite and Centennial and Norco. I said, watch out for Roosevelt. I also said, hey, man, if CDM gets by Roosevelt, they can make a run. Yeah. So CDM, I said it last week. I'm saying it this week. You guys got to make me look good. All right? So I can say that Roosevelt lost to the team who went all the way and did something big. So shout out to CDM. They continue to roll. Man, there's so many other games we can recap, but... There are, Greg. We got to bring this baby we to gotta a close, We got to bring it to a close. Man. We got to bring it to a close. Yeah. We, get, we, got, we got a lot going on here. But listen, we appreciate you taking a ride with us. I had a man listen segment. You know what I'm going to get to very, very quickly, Greg? Dude, because I still it, want you to do it. You, you yeah, got, yeah, it's important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Um, so, man, listen. Talking a little bit about Tony Perry earlier in the show. Legendary coach out of Fresno. You know, when you travel outside of Southern California, you venture into Central California, Northern California, there's a couple of guys you got to go see, right, GB? When you hit Northern California, mandatory, you got to go see Alonzo Carter. Coach Alonzo Carter. He is the captain of the Bay. You hit Northern California, it's a must you go see Alonzo Carter. Man, listen, you hit Fresno, it was mandatory you see Tony Perry, the DB guru, the guy was comedy. The guy knew his stuff as a coach. He was a terrific person. One quote reminds me of TP. Don't be so concerned about your reputation because that's what other people think about you. Be concerned about your character because that's who you are. Is that the great John Wooden? It, is, it is John Wooden. Tony Perry was a guy of high character. He wasn't concerned about what everybody thought of him. He's just a guy that tried to do everything for his kids to get them to where they wanted to go. Man, listen, we could all learn something by how the man Tony Perry lived his life. Today, please go out there and do someone, do something for someone that cannot be repaid to you. Do something for somebody that can never repay it back to you. Tony Perry was a guy that did a lot for kids that could not do anything for him, but it just out the goodness of his heart. 
and 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 I and I and I bring this man listen segment on because I've been sitting here and we've been recording a show and I just looked and there was a mass shooting up in Northern California as we've been recording Greg Biggins. We need more love in this lifetime. We need to spread the love, spread the joy. So, man, listen, love the person next to you and the per- people around you and random folks like Tony Perry loved his kids over in that Fresno area. Do for them as he did for them. Man, listen, we need, we need, we need to show some love, man. It's, it's, uh, it's tough times out here. That does it for my man listen segment. So, anyway, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you taking a ride with us. The Transparent Truth. We are never, never, uh, we would never forget our listeners. You guys make the show. Greg Biggins for my man at Greg Biggins on Twitter at Coach Keith underscore MP on Twitter. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. You know where we're at. Hit us up. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.